Hi, this is Mary Batum, and I am your next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 96. I'm Brian Zemrak, and this is the show that uh, brings you all the updates on uh, movies and TV and DVD releases, sequels and remakes, and of course, our interview with somebody from the music, TV, or music industry. Now, we have a great guest coming up for you today, and it is Mary Badham. Now, she was nominated at the age of 10 for an Oscar for her role as Scout in the classic film To Kill a Mockingbird. And, uh, you know, she's, Mary's just a great guest, and she's going to be appearing on Saturday, February 13th for a showing of To Kill a Mockingbird at the California Independent Film Festival's monthly classic film series in Orinda, California. Now, if you're in the area, you're going to want to check this out. It's going to be two showings, one at 4 o'clock and the other at 7, with a question and answer time following the film. And Mary Badham's going to be there, and she's going to answer questions, talk about the film, great guest. If you can't make it, she's going to be talking on our show next, right here in a few minutes on On Screen and Beyond. Great person. Uh, she's got some great stories. So stick around for that. Um, let's see what else I want to let you know. Oh, yes, tickets. Uh, the tickets can be found uh, by going to the website www.caiff.org. And they give you the complete information about the tickets. It's in Orinda, California on February 13th, 4 o'clock and 7 o'clock, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mary Badham, who played Scout, is going to be there. So you might want to check that out. And Mary is our guest right here on On Screen and Beyond in a couple of minutes. So stick around. And uh, like I was saying, uh, a couple of uh, shows ago, we mentioned that we're going to change our format a, a little bit. Um, what we're going to be doing, we're still going to be doing the remake sequels and TV and movie and DVD releases and things like that. Um, but the first of the month, we will of each month, we will be having a show that will tell you what's coming out as far as new movies in theaters and DVD and uh, TV releases for that month. All right. And then the uh, other shows that we have during the month will be basically uh, letting you know of just uh, some random releases that are going to be coming out. So things of interest, maybe they might be uh, six months down the road, but uh, just to keep you informed on things like that. But anyways, that's uh, what's coming up on this show. Um, so don't forget to check out onscreenbeyond.com and we have our new page up, oh, the OSB Book Nook and Things. Okay, so we have a link that you can click on and that's where we're going to keep you updated on books music you know things related to tv movie and the music industry that we think that you might be interested in now, there's a lot of great books that we got to uh, uh, check out here uh, let me see i'm just getting one here here's one the chicken soup for the soul and it's called the story behind the song now this is a great book and i'm just you know peeking through it here i've had a chance to go over it but uh it's got you know the story behind the song Okay, so just flip a page open here and uh, 
take, for example, uh, Janice Ian's at 17. Now, she wrote it and she recorded it, and it goes around and it tells you different stories about how she came about uh, getting that. And there's just, uh, you know, all kinds of different people. There's Barry Manilow's music is in there, Christina Aguilera, The Boys to Men, Paul Anka, uh, Kanye West, Huey Lewis, John Legend. Melissa Etheridge. There's just all sorts of stuff. It's a great book. You might want to check that out. But we give you some information about it by going to onscreenandbeyond.com and, of course, go to the OSB Book Nook and Things link that we have. And another one here, I got the Theater World, Volume 65, 2008-2009. If you uh, are interested in theater, they have every, every single theater uh, on Broadway, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway, Great stuff. Check that one out. And also, a Screen World, the films of 2008. Now, this is a great book. It's got so many different things in there. Um, looking at over here, there's, uh, you know, pictures, and it, it's a, a great reference guide for me. You know, this is great. <laughs> and if you're interested in movies, those are some uh, good books to check out. So, anyways, that's uh, something you can check. And it's time. Uh, we got a great show lined up for you today, so let's get right into it with a look at what's coming your way this month in February, as far as movies in theaters and TV and movie DVD releases, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remakes coming out February. It looks like The Wolfman on February 12th comes to theaters in a remake of the classic Universal film. It stars Benicio del Toro, Emily Blunt, and Anthony Hopkins, and The Wolfman is rated R. And another remake coming out this month is The Crazies. It's about a peaceful town, and suddenly. Uh, they just it erupts into a town of insane uh, people who are, are, are just, you know, killing everybody. And the government seals off the town, letting nobody in and nobody out and leaving the unprotected to fend for themselves. So that's a remake of a George Romero film. And the uh, Crazies is rated R. It comes out February 26. Also, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief, stars Pierce Brosnan. And Uma Thurman and Logan Lerman. And it's about a guy who learns he is, a young guy rather, uh, who learns he is the descendant of a Greek god and he sets out on an adventure of a lifetime. Now that's a, why it's in the remakes is because it was a book and it's been remade into a movie. And also uh, another one that's been remade into a movie, a book, is February 19th. Look for Shutter Island from... Uh, uh, Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio and Ben Kingsley and Max von Shadow are in that one. And the film follows two U.S. Marshals who go to an island to investigate the disappearance of a female serial killer. So you might want to check those out. Those are remakes coming out in February and on screen and beyond. Coming up next, more releases of upcoming new movies in February right here on On Screen and Beyond. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, of course, the month of February will have some new movies coming away on February 5th from Paris with Love. Stars John Travolta as a trigger-happy, loose cannon CIA operative with a new partner. 
And that's rated R. On February 12th, an all-star cast directed by Gary Marshall brings us Valentine's Day. It's rated PG-13, and it just stars a boatload of actors, including Taylor Lautner, Bradley Cooper, Anne Hathaway, Julia Roberts, Patrick Dempsey, and on and on and on. Too many to name, but that's going to be a big one. And Takers, arriving February 26th, starring Matt Damon and Hayden Christensen. And it delves into the world of a gang of criminals trying to pull off one last bank job. It's rated PG-13. And finally, Cop Out stars Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan as two NYPD partners hunting down a memorabilia-obsessed gangster. Sounds interesting. <laughs> That's about it for um, movies coming out in the month of February. Next up, what's coming out in February as far as releases on TV and DVD, right here on On Screen and Beyond. TV DVD releases in the month of February. Looks on February 2nd, you'll be hearing Beverly Hills 90210, the ninth season, Mr. Ed, the second season, and the Mary Tyler Moore Show, season six. They arrive in stores all on February 2nd. And February 9th, Army Wives, season three, Gary Unmarried, first season, Vegas, season one, volume two, the Patty Duke Show, season two, and of course, Eddie Applegate, who played Richard Harrison on the show, was our guest last week. You can still check that one out at onscreenandbeyond.com, episode 95. And you can hear some great stories about the Patty Duke Show. Then on February 16th, Branded, the complete series comes your way, as well as Barnaby Jones, the first season, they arrive in stores. And on February 23rd, it looks like Adam 12, season 4, and My Three Sons, Season 2, Volume 1. And, of course, Robbie, who uh, was played by Don Grady, and Chip by Stan Livingston, were both guests on On Screen and Beyond. And you can check out their interviews and hear about the shows and what they've done and uh, just by going to onscreenandbeyond.com and go to our rerun section, and you can hear those. And uh, let's see. we got one more here. Night Court, Season 3 will be coming your way. Oh, and also Nurse Jackie Season 1 arrives in stores, and those are all coming out on February 23rd. So, some good ones there. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, movies coming out on DVD in February. Movies coming out in February on DVD. It looked like Zombieland arrives on DVD and Blu-ray on February 2nd. And on February 9th, Couples Retreat with Vince Vaughn comes to DVD along with The Time Traveler's Wife with Rachel McAdams. And on February 23rd, Everybody's Fine with Robert De Niro and The Informant with Matt Damon makes their way to DVD. That's about it for movies and TV shows and new releases in the theaters coming your way in February. Coming up next, we have a fantastic guest. It's Mary Batum, who, of course, was scout in To Kill a Mockingbird. At the age of 10, she was nominated for an Oscar, and she only lost out to Patty Duke. So, I mean, that's that was tough competition, but she's a great guest. She's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> My
My guest today on On Screen and Beyond did such a wonderful job in a role as scout in To Kill a Mockingbird with Gregory Peck in 1962 that at the age of 10, she was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. On Saturday, February 13th, she will be at the California Independent Film Festival's Classic Film Series showing of the classic film To Kill a Mockingbird, and she'll be doing a Q&A. It's Mary Badham. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Mary. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Mary, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. And um, one thing I have to say about uh, that movie, uh, you must have seen it hundreds of times now because I I know you go around and you talk about the film. Uh, Does it ever lose its meaning to you? No, it it really doesn't. Um, it's it's just I can't I can't watch it very much anymore. Um, it's it's too close, mm-hmm. and so many of us are gone now, yeah. and it's um, rather painful to watch it now because there's just Philip and myself and a couple other people, and that's that's it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that is that that does make it hard. Now you, I understand you were very close to Gregory Peck. Very. And, and the rest of the cast also? Yeah. It's it's one of the few films, usually when you do a television show or a movie, you know, it's, oh, let's get together, we'll see each other again sometime, you know, and you never really do unless you get a chance to work with them again. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, we really kept up with each other through the years. And um, especially with Atticus, it, it was so dear because... I lost my parents very early in my life. My mom died three weeks after I graduated from high school. My dad died two years after I got married. I got married when I was 21. So um, I was really kind of out there by myself. And and it was marvelous that, you know, Atticus or Brock Peters would or Paul Fix would take the time to pick up the phone and call and say, how you doing, kiddo? You know, what's up? And, and just you know, check in on me, and I would always visit with them whenever I was out in California, and it really meant a lot to me to have those guys, because they were great role models. So, Gregory Peck, I mean, when I think of Gregory Peck, I think of this, you know, great actor and everything, but he was, he was really a nice guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, what you see on film is what we got at home. He was just I think the the best thing about him, I could say, is his sense of humor. He was just, he loved to laugh, and he loved to make other people laugh, and um, he enjoyed stories, and um, he, he just was a lot of fun to be with. Now, did you realize, I mean, here you are, 10 years old, and you're acting with Gregory Peck. Did you know at that point, you know, what a huge actor he was no i had no idea i was like just this dumb little kid from alabama you have to understand i wasn't a child of the movies um and back in those days we only had like a little tiny um television set which was about the size of most people's monitors now and um you know there were two channels basically (laughs) (laughs) and our, just like in Mockingbird, our best friends were either books or the the screen door. You went outside if you wanted something to do. Right. We didn't, we didn't go to movies in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had absolutely no acting experience when you started? None. How, None. How, I mean, that's unusual because usually, you know, there's, 
they're doing, you know, people are doing uh, little shows or plays or things like that, but you had absolutely none. I mean, if you want to call, you know, skits that my girlfriend and I put on at home for my parents, <laughs> that's about as close to acting as I got. The, the thespians in the family were really my brother and my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Batham, of course, you know, the, right. the director. And my mom was um, an actress with the local town and gown theater. Of course, she'd done some acting in England uh, on stage with school and that. Um, but really, um, she, she lived and breathed the theater. She loved the theater and the arts. Um, I think one of the, the best things that my father could give her for a gift would be to give her a credit card and a plane ticket to New York, and she and my cousin would go all over New York City going to all the different plays and ballet and going shopping and that. That was like her favorite thing to do. So when I got this, um, you know, my mother was thrilled. Of course, she knew all about this stuff. <laughs> Uh, and and she really, um, you know, thought it thought it was wonderful. I'm sure scary, but wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But how did you? I mean, you know, how does somebody go from no acting experience to go to a, a major motion picture like this? What what? How did you get about getting the part? Well, the, the the way that it happened was they were having you know your typical cattle call, and they had put out they 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 really wanted children from the south. That was very important. They wanted children who um, had real Southern accents. Uh, they wanted um, a sense of innocence, a sense of play. Uh, they had to have children with good imagination. And a, and a real Southern accent, they, you can't fake that with California actors. That just wouldn't work. Um, the the children of California at that time would not have understood uh, the South because here again you have to you have to go back in time uh, and look at what was what was going on. The South that I grew up in, black people still rode on the back of the bus. They had their own water fountains. They had their own restaurants. They had their own restrooms. I mean, it was it was everything was separate. Then I get out to California, and here's people of all races, colored creeds, everything, and they're all living together, and they're happy, and, and there's no boundaries, and there's no barriers. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you know, and, and as I was being tossed like a football between California and Alabama uh, doing different projects, I, it became you know, blatantly clear to me uh, that I could no longer live in Alabama. I just couldn't couldn't deal with that, everything. And it, was, it wasn't just the racial issue. It was a whole different social structure, which was still exactly the way things were in To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, women basically were expected to be seen and not heard, and children and servants were particularly, you know, not to be seen or heard. You know, it just, um, it was a man's, male, white male-dominated landscape, and and I just, I I couldn't deal with it. I really couldn't deal with it. Uh 
Now, now this film back then must have been very controversial uh, with everything that it was covering. And yeah, I, I think it did. It sparked a lot of, of discussion, but right. I think it was like a release valve. You know, I mean, there were a lot of people who were, they were done with the old system. They wanted to see change, but they didn't know how to make that happen. I mean, Bull Connor and his little henchmen were still in control of Birmingham, and they weren't going to let anything change. Yes. Uh, so, you know, it was it was just, um, it was a different time period. It was very difficult. Yeah, yeah. But I think there were a lot of people that were, you know, fed up with the, the old system and had traveled enough that they wanted change. Um, so it, you know, and the rest of the world was already getting on board with things. So, right, yeah. um, you know, it just, it it took snatching around a little bit to get it to, to come, you know, into being. Now, once you got the part, was your goal then to become an actress or...? No, not really. I mean, this was something that just happened to me, and every time I finished with something, I thought, well, that was nice, and that'll be the end of it. You yeah, know, it's quite I, a thing just to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it had only been that one, it would have been great, you know. Um, but I was lucky enough to do some other work, right? and um, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And then... Um, here again, you have to look back in history, um, and you have to look at what the studio system, how the studio system was changing back in those days. This was probably I retired in the you know time when the the uh, studios were stepping back a bit, yeah, and they were really uh, kind of doing more hands off. Before actors had been controlled right down to you know press releases and who they were going to marry. Um, and they were really kind of uh, backing off of all of that um, because they realized they couldn't afford it. Uh. And uh, so a lot of new blood was coming into the system. And I, and I think we're seeing changes again um, in the system with the independent films. Mm -hmm. I am just absolutely thrilled beyond measure at, at what I'm seeing coming out of the independent film industry now. Uh, they're doing some really important pieces of work. Uh, they're, they're really doing a lot of things that the studios won't touch. Right, yeah. That need to be done. I mean, um, they are... Somehow or another, the guys in in the studios have gotten hung up. I I think this is just strictly my personal opinion mm -hmm. on on blow them up, you know, blockbuster, uh, thirteen year old little boy joke stuff. Yep. You know, oh, yes. and 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 everybody that I know is sick to death of that. Mm -hmm. They want films that they can take their children to, and yeah. that they can have family time with. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if they don't see megabucks, they they figure it's not worth touching. Yeah. Uh, whereas the independent guys, they go, oh, man, this is good script. 
well written. Okay, let's do this, you know? Right, yes. And and they get together with their buddies, and it's not all about money, and it's not all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's just good good work, good writing, good, you know, and they want to see it put up on the screen. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, you know, not to say that it's all great and wonderful. Right. There's a lot of junk out there, too. But, <laughs> oh, yes. But I have to say that that I'm seeing some remarkable work coming out of the independent film industry, and I was lucky enough, thank God, that I was able to work with one of the best, I think, in the industry, which is Cameron Watson. Ah, yes, uh, on um, our very own. Our very own. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you what an honor it was to work for that man. He is one of the best the industry has put out. Uh, he's, he's kind. He's sweet. He's very. He's a workaholic. <laughs> he's very focused. Um, he can do it all. He's just. He's brilliant. And to put together a cast, uh, you know, Allison Janney and Jason Ritter, and. Um, it it just I don't know I had I had so much fun I really really did and and what made you just I mean it was what thirty nine years since you you had stopped acting? yeah it was kind of goofy I mean it was really strange I was down in Alabama I go down there every year to close to kill a mockingbird play that they do down there at the courthouse in Monroeville mm-hmm. and um, so we have this party at the end every year where the public is allowed to to come and so i'm talking with this family from chicago and they had driven with their children down down to see the play and to to look around and so one of the kids from the play comes over and says you know you've got this phone call um that you need to take and i said well you know take a number and i'll call them back right now i'm talking with this family in chicago no, no, you have to come take this phone call right away. And families from Chicago, they're very sweet, and they're like, no, no, go ahead, take the phone call. I'm like, no. I, you know, They're like, no, go take I said, who is it? And the child says, it's a casting director. And I just burst into laughter. I said, yeah, after 40 years, a casting director is going to know who I am. Right. So then I got to thinking, you know, the kids are probably playing a candid camera on me, right? So I thought, okay, I'll play along with this. So I'm going back to the phone, and I'm looking in the plants and looking up in the bookcases and everything, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. And I get on the phone, and um, this casting director says, you know, uh, my name is Kim Petrosky, and I'm with Gata Films, and... We've been looking for you for over a year and a half. And I'm wow. like, okay. And she says, and she tells me about our very own and about Cam, and that he doesn't want anybody else but me for the film. And I, I said, lady, I hadn't been in front of a camera. I mean, how does he know what I can do or what I can't? Do? Never mind. He just knows. She goes, you don't believe any of this, do you? I said, would you? After 40 years, come on. And. So she said, well, just stay by the phone for just 10 minutes. Just let me, let me give him a call, and um, he's gonna, he wants to talk to you. I said, all right. So he calls me and, um, you know, goes through what the film is about and everything. And I said, well, fine. You know, send me a script. And um, so the script ended up beating me home. 
Uh, it was there waiting for me when I got home, and I read it, and it was beautiful, and I loved it. And I called him right back and said, you know, if you want me, sure, why not? Hmm. Wow. And I'd always said, you know, I won't go back to work unless I can have, you know, very nice people to work with, and I have a very good script and um, something that I can take my children to. Hmm. And and it gave it gave me all of that and more. I have, um, you know, such wonderful friendships now uh, with that whole cast and crew, because I was so close to the cast and crew of Mockingbird, and I have that same feeling with Cam and his crew. Hmm. It, they're just so easy to work with, and um, it it. It was just loads of fun. We had so much fun, and I, I, I would do it again if he wanted me to do something else again because he's just so talented. And, and like you say, I, I agree with you. The fact that it seems like Hollywood now is, if if like you say, if they can't blow it up and and uh, do some type of special effects with the movie, they don't want to touch it. Right. And the independents are the ones that are doing, you know. Good stuff. The good stuff, <laughs> I mean, right? You know, yeah. Not not that some of the blockbusters aren't good, but you know, it's just that they don't want to. You know, like you say, a, a good film with a story. Yeah, I I I like pieces that have a beginning, a middle, and an end, mm-hmm. and it has to have some sort of positive moral message. It has to have some sort of guiding light, you know, something that, that makes you want to go and see the film and then maybe go see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I get that with with some of these. There was a little teeny tiny film uh, that I saw at one of the film festivals called Cry of the Cricket that I just, I thought it was so wonderful. It, it, it was just a sweet little film. And I got so excited about it, I sent the tape to Mr. Peck, and I sent it to John and a couple other people because I just thought it was wonderful. And and uh, you know, it I don't I don't know what happened with that piece, yeah. whether it ever went anywhere, or the people connected with it went anywhere or not. But I mean, that was my first exposure to independent film. Yeah. And that, and the shame is that there are so many good films out there that are made that people don't get to see because they don't they don't go to the festivals yeah. or, or it doesn't get wide release. And, and I've seen also some very good films that, you know, you wonder, you know, why isn't this out there? Right. You know? Well, part of the problem is, and I'm sure you know this from talking with independent people, is that the distribution. Right. You know, I mean, the all the big mega theaters now, they're all tied down with, the, the big studio. Right, their control, basically. So my message is to the independents, go get your own theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason in the world why they can't go out there and and put together some theaters, just like the, the movie moguls used to do years ago. Uh, they had their, their little palaces. We don't have to have palaces, but we can have some nice places where people can go on a regular basis, and some of the old theaters that they restored are doing this. We right. have two here in Richmond that show independent films, which is wonderful. Um, and 
if you can find distributors like that that are willing to to go out on a limb and say, yeah, bring it on, uh, you know, that's that's what we need because we just could not get distribution for our very own. So they ended up uh, selling it to Miramax. So Mm -hmm. it's out on DVD now. Wow. But you know, once once they get control of it, then you're you're out. You, right. You have no control over what they do with it. Yeah. And I would strongly urge uh, the independent filmmakers to really, you know, use these festivals to get together and talk about what you can do to get more clout to get these films out there in front of the public. And just bypass the mega theaters. Mm-hmm. We we don't really. I don't think we really need those. If if people, you know, get used to going and seeing good quality film again, they're going to search out for the independent theaters. Yeah, and sometimes I think there's a uh, there's a stigmatism that, that that's going around when you when you say an independent film. Either yeah. people think, oh, it's you know, it was made for you know. Ten dollars and two cases of beer while they were making it, or you know, or it and there was, are some of those. <laughs> or, we well, know. or it's 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 too artsy, and and they don't right. want to see that type. You know, right. sometimes, and and it's too bad because you know yeah. there are great films out there. Oh yeah. yeah, and I I think that you know some of these guys are in the same boat that I am. They want something they can take their children to, and if they can't find one out there in the theaters, then they're just going to go make their own. And right. some of them have made beautiful, touching, beautiful films. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I really um, give the give the independent filmmakers a real rah-rah on their cheerleading staff because I just think they're, they're, they're up against a brick wall. And, and if they keep working at it, then it'll be just like the Berlin Wall. It will come down. Mm-hmm. And I want to get back to um, to Kill a Mockingbird. Now, you were nominated for an Oscar for that. Uh-huh. Um, now, at ten years old, how what does a ten year old feel when they've been told that they're going to get an Oscar? Were you excited or? If if you have no idea what it is, you go into it blind. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. I wasn't. The only thing I was afraid of was that I was going to have to get up on that stage and say something. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, gosh, I hope I don't win this thing because then i got to get up there. And these people have obviously had script writers to write their beautiful speeches. They're so perfect. And what could I possibly say? But, well, thank you, you know. <laughs> Did you have I, any idea of what you might say if, if you had been called out? I have no idea. And when Patty did one, I was just like, yes! <laughs> because that I knew, you know. I mean, she and Anne Bancroft almost killed each other making that thing. And it was just, uh, you know, well well-earned piece. I would love to... To, to hug her neck at some point and say, you know, you were brilliant. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's a tough choice. I mean, because you know, they're both you both did fantastic jobs on your films. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, but Patty, she she had had really slogged through a lot. Oh yeah. She... You know, I mean, I really felt like she deserved it uh, far more than me because I was just out there playing, having a good time. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, no. I just had five months of having a great time and making a bunch of new friends. Are there, are there any memories that particularly stick in your mind of, of when you were filming it? Uh, there's, there's so many. Um, you mean of, of filming a particular scene or something? Well, or is just it, when you were oh. filming the, the, the movie, whether it was off screen or on screen, were there any things that you know, will always some, be something that you remember? Well, I think going over to the Pecs and playing with Anthony and Cecilia and just having that friendship, you know, um, meant so much. Um, I think the scene that I liked the best making was the bedroom scene where I'm reading to Atticus. Mm -hmm. It's because I think for Atticus and for myself, we both felt a, a special bond there because that was that was like being able to do something that I had always wanted my father to do. I'd always wanted my father to come in and read to me and tuck me into bed. Of course, that would never happen because the way I was raised and the time period I was raised, the servants put you to bed. I mean, when you were dismissed from table, you went upstairs and you were bathed and changed and put to bed. And Beatty or Frankie heard my prayers. Um, and, and I never saw my parents again until the next morning. Most of the time I didn't see my dad. He was already gone, uh, and I didn't see Mom until about noon. So, um, you know, it was really <laughs> different time period, different place. Did you, I've read that you actually continued to call uh, Gregory Peck Atticus. I did. What, you, you did, that is true? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he'll always be my Atticus because, well, the, the way that I have to explain it is that we were too close for me to call him Mr. Peck. Mm -hmm. That was just too formal. And I certainly wasn't going to call him Greg. Now, please. <laughs> so Atticus it was. And for him, I was his scout. So yeah, it just worked out really well. Well, it's a fantastic movie, and, and you know, people should... Be sure to see it on the big screen if they get a chance, because so many films we see now on small screen, and it's uh, just a whole different thing seeing it again on on the big screen. It really is. I I'm I'm real excited to have it. Every time that somebody wants to put it up on the big screen, I get excited because that's the way for me. That's the way movies are meant to be seen is on the big screen, and that one's such a great one because you can just crawl in there and live you know, that fun life, you know, and you get, I have a lot of adults say, oh, well, I don't know if my son or my daughter is old enough to read Mockingbird or whatever, or to see the film, and I tell them, you know, it's, you have to understand that children see things from a children's point of view, yeah. and they are concentrating on the children and what they are doing, whereas the adults, they're looking at the bigger picture, the courtroom scene, the, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff, yeah. um, and the, the bigger issues behind. Um, for, for anybody who hasn't read the book, I, I strongly urge you to read the book uh, before you go to see the film, or at least after the film, if you want, um, because it, there's, it's such rich history of the South. It's 
about all I can say. It's there were scenes that I would have loved to have filmed, uh, all the Calpurnia scenes uh, where we went to church with Calpurnia, because I did that as a child. I went to church with my Beatty, who was my Calpurnia, mm-hmm. uh, and Frankie was our major domo, Frankie McCall. Uh, so we as children went to church with those ladies. They, they were the ones who gave us our moral grounding. Uh, and, uh, that whole church experience with them, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Mm -hmm. One other thing here, uh, uh, in your acting career, you, uh, of course, were in the Twilight Zone. Yeah. It was, yes. I understand it was the final episode it of was. the original series. Yeah. And it was called The uh, Bewitching Pool. And I think every year when the Sci-Fi Channel shows their um, marathon of the Twilight Zone, I always seem to catch that one. I mean, they're, they're showing all these <laughs> these shows, but I always catch that one. Great. Yeah. It, that one was a fun piece to make. Uh, Timmy Stafford who I absolutely adore. His mom and my mom were best friends. And, um, yeah, I, I do the Twilight Zone convention every year. I'm, I'm one of the few people who has done done all five years of the Twilight Zone convention. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was just out in California a couple months back uh, for that. And um, it's, it's always fun to do that, to, to see people but so many of us are getting so much older now well so yeah there's not as many of us as there were before and you were young when you you did that so yeah um most of the people on those shows uh not just on that episode but on the other shows were all uh, older of course when, right when they did and it. i think that's why you know this last past year may be one of the last years that they do the twilight zone festival which is sad yeah but um <laughs> simply because there's just us children left, basically. Now, did you ever meet the man himself? <laughs> I did. Um, I remember being uh, introduced to him and seeing him do his monologue, but anything outside of that I, I don't have any recollection of. There's one question I have uh, to ask you about that show, is why did they dub June Foray's voice over you? It's pretty simple. We, if you look at the film, most of it is shot outside. Yeah. And during, we're real close to the airport there. So there were planes going over. They were also building a mega set for a big, huge film. And I want to say it was Cleopatra. I may be wrong mm-hmm. um, because I was just a little kid. But there was a lot of, we would, we would start a scene and then there would be this saw would start up, you know, <laughs> or hammering or whatever, or the director would be going, what is that noise? What? And then there would be horns or something. Yeah. So by the time the footage got all together, the editing was done, they realized there was so much extraneous noise, and they had already sent me home. Oh, okay. They had sent me back to Alabama. And there again, you have to look at the history Back then, a plane ticket one way would have been like twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. So this was the they knew this was the last one that they were going to do, and that there was no money. 
Oh, okay. Good. So it was just a whole lot easier to pick up the phone and say, June, can you pop by and help us for a minute? Yeah, so, just, <laughs> which she did. I can remember so. watching it, and it's like, that's June for us. Yeah. <laughs> but I, see, she's my claim to fame, and I told her this when I was out in California this last Twilight Zone convention. I went running over and hugged her neck, and I said, you're my claim to fame because I can say that Rocket J Squirrel did my voice. <laughs> Yeah, I always wondered why that one. Um, well, Mary, I, I have one or two last questions here. Okay. I don't want to hold you too much longer, but um, this is one that we've always asked people lately. Um, as far as your favorite TV shows, new or old, what do you watch for TV or like for TV, new or old? Anything that I watch regularly on TV? Just something you enjoy. You know, if you're, if you, certain TV show that you enjoyed over the years and thought it's a great show or something like that. Well, I, right now, about all that I watch is DIY and the Food Channel. The Food Channel is like my favorite. I'm totally addicted at this point. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'll, I'll watch it at lunchtime when I'm on break and, and I'll see a recipe that I like, and I go to the computer and download it, and then I run to the store and get all the stuff, and then I go home and fix it, and that's my entertainment. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it shows. I don't have a wasp waist, I can tell you. <laughs> uh, the other one is, what's your favorite, two favorite movies of all time, besides To Kill a Mockingbird, <laughs> if that was one of them? Mockingbird. Oh, God. Um, it's, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite. Mm -hmm. I really, uh, yeah, man. I can't really say right off the bat. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. Just, Sorry. You know, some some people just say, oh, without a doubt, it's this movie or things like that. But I, I was just curious about what... Yeah, I, I really... Um, I'd have to think on that one and get back with you yeah. because I can't really think of anything right off the cuff. Yeah, no problem. And Well, Mary, um, I just want to r remind everybody that uh, you will be in Orinda, California on Saturday, February 13th at the Orinda Theater. And there's going to be two shows, uh, one at 4, one at 7, and there'll be a Q&A. Now, are you going to be doing a Q&A for both or just one? Or how do you know how that's working? You know, I haven't talked to anybody there, so I really don't know. But I'm available for as much as they want me to be there. Um, well, I'm sure the people are going to just love the, love the film. If they haven't seen it, they're going to love it for sure. Um, and uh, those that uh, haven't, you know, have seen it and haven't seen it for a while will, will love it. And then to have the opportunity to speak to you and meet you, I'm sure they'll be just thrilled with that. So uh, we hope uh, that people turn out for that. And I'm sure there'll be huge crowds for it. And, uh, and people can go to the California Independent Film Festival website, which is www.caiff.org to get ticket information. We hope to see you there. And I Y'all come, as we say in the South. <laughs> Mary, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We appreciate you being here and had a good time. Thank you, Brian. Take care. Well, we want to thank Mary so much for taking the time to talk to us. Great guest, a lot of great stories. Hope you enjoyed that one. And uh, don't forget, she's going to be um, at the Classic 
film series for the California Independent Film Festival, their monthly thing that they do, and it's Arinda, California, and it's February 13th. She will be there for the showing of To Kill a Mockingbird. She'll do a question and answers 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock. You can get all the details by going to www.caiff.org. Okay? And now we uh, got to remind you to check out our website uh, because uh, we're going to be having future guests. And, of course, you can ask questions of our future guests by sending us an email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, we could use your question to ask one of our celebrities. And we have one up there right now that uh, you can send questions in for. We're going to have Dick Van Patten on the show. Now, Dick, of course, was from Eight is Enough and uh, so many other things. A lot of Mel Brooks movies and things like that. It, it, he's a great guest. You got questions for him? Send them to us. We can ask him. All right? So uh, that's about it for uh, episode 96 of On Screen and Beyond. Uh, it's a great uh, episode and great guest. And I really... Really enjoyed it. We got another one coming up next week right here on On Screen and Beyond. Till then, Brian Zemrak saying, take care.